You likely saw it throughout the weekend, a latter part of last week as well, about this balloon that was primarily, I, I think, came to our national attention when it was over Montana. And I know we've got a number of listeners on the western side of the News and Views radio network in Montana right now. We had video. Uh, you had people questioning what in the fact, what is this? You got the moon here in this big balloon. Well, it turns out it was a balloon from China. And we've got officials saying, you know what, they were spying. It was a Chinese spy balloon. I want to learn more about that. And to do that, we re- reach out to CBS and are able to be joined by Dr. Jeff McCloslin right now here on News and Views. Dr. McCloslin, I appreciate your time this morning. How are you? Todd, I'm doing well. It's great to be with you. Oh, very good. Uh, the level of expertise you bring, national security consultant with CBS News, people are wondering, you know, what in the world, how did this happen? Well, how it happened is one of two ways. Either was this was a determined uh, military intelligence surveillance operation, which I think is more likely, or what the Chinese say, that it was a weather balloon that went off course based on westerly wind patterns. But we do know the Chinese have conducted these kind of aerial overflights before using balloons. Uh, there are reports that during the, the Trump administration has occurred three times. It may have occurred at least once previously in the Biden administration and have used balloons for these kind of surveillance operations uh, off the shore of Guam and off the shore of Hawaii, though I'm not certain if they actually cross over our airspace in those two, two particular efforts. Mm-hmm. It was picked up as it came across the Aleutian Islands by uh, NORAD, and then according came across uh, Canada. Uh, U.S. officials became particularly concerned when it dipped down and, and crossed over into Montana. And again, your, your listeners listening, living all where you all do understand very very well because we have many of our, our have our ICBM fields in the northern part of the United States, in the Dakotas, as well as at Malstrom Air Force Base in Montana. And it seemed to pass pretty close over that and even dwell for a period of time there. <clears throat> so that's the decision then is made by the president to shoot it down, but the Pentagon advised to not do so until either it's over, uh, over the water for fear of causing damage or destruction uh, to American citizens on the ground. And the Pentagon also said that it made efforts to neutralize its ability to gather and transmit intelligence, which translates to me that they used a laser, microwave, um, cyber, electronic warfare to blind the camera and to neutralize its ability to transmit. And then as it crossed over South Carolina coast, of course, it was shot down. And now we have a recovery operation going on by U.S. Coast Guard and Naval uh, Forces to recover the balloon, recover the package that was aboard it to ascertain if, in fact, it was surveillance, if it was a weather balloon, or frankly, it could have been both. The the question that uh, creeped in my mind right away, knowing where we are in the world as far as technology goes, Doctor, I, I mean, how how often are we still using balloons to, to gather intelligence, whether it's us, China, mm-hmm. Russia? It seems like such a dated technology that they would have other means to get the information they would want, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of surprised me as well. And we know the Chinese have satellites and their satellite array. Is second only to ours, perhaps, in gathering intelligence and fly over the United States uh, all the time. But there's been an increasing interest uh, in the possible use of balloons. Once again, balloons are a lot more steerable, and this one appeared to be steerable. Uh, it had, uh, you know, a, a, an array that would allow it to get gather energy from the sun, so it could, in fact, power itself to a degree. Still dependent on the westerly winds largely, but it could steer itself a bit. Uh, a balloon has the ability to dwell for a period of time, more so than a satellite in low Earth orbit, which is moving pretty quickly. That means that it's taking pictures on the ground. I would imagine it could take a series to see if there's any you know, change ongoing. It, it would be interesting to know. I doubt the Pentagon will ever say. 
if there was some kind of an exercise going on at Maelstrom while the balloon was overhead. This also enhances perhaps the ability of a balloon to gather more signal intelligence. And last but not least, it may be surprising, but I'm told by experts that actually picking up a balloon on a radar is harder than picking up a missile in some ways. Even though it's quite large, our Doppler radars are designed to pick up metallic objects moving across the sky very quickly, like a ballistic missile or like a bomber or a fighter aircraft. A balloon uh, is not metallic, and the fact that it's making it more moving more slowly makes it a bit more difficult to pick up. And again, part of what the Chinese may have been doing was simply testing at what point, as it came over U.S. Uh, territory and territorial waters, did in fact our radars pick it up. Yeah, and I'm glad you got there, uh, Dr. McCausland, our guest. Uh, and that because it seemed as though it only became you know publicly known because, of course, probably ironically, a video on TikTok <laughs> of uh, a Chinese balloon, and, and that's what uh, it seems to have fueled the, the the public intrigue about this of how it got so far in mainland before at least the public knew about it. But what I'm hearing from you is, you know, our eyes were on it at least from the intelligence side long before that. Yeah, exactly right. I'm told it was picked up as it came across U.S. airspace around the Aleutians, not any big military bases up there. Then it crosses over into Canada. It's over the Yukon. And it only becomes really more interesting when it when it dips down and crosses over into the continental United States. Now, they were, I'm told, had picked it up and were tracking it uh, with NORAD, which is cooperation not only by the United States, but cooperation between the United States and Canada. Canada also being interested in what was going on since it was traversing their airspace as well. Uh, there's a number of questions that, that are coming in here, but, you know, one of the things that if we're finding out, because I had seen the report, the Pentagon saying that, you know, this, this similar incident happened three times underneath President Trump. That leads right. me to believe this is not some wayward weather balloon <laughs> if it's happened a number of times previous to, to this one here. Uh, so we shot it down and, um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious, uh, I guess, what comes next? We're in the retrieval process here, and there's some Americans, and of course this is where partisan politics come in, upset that they waited until it probably conducted its mission. But if we go retrieve it, then we dissect. I mean, th this is going to add to the strain between the United States and uh, China, I believe, right? Yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch you got there. I mean, you're exactly right. A lot of people complaining, like, why didn't we shoot it down sooner? Uh, Pentagon had advised the president who said on Wednesday to shoot it down, not to do so until it was not over land for fear of injury. But you know, I'm told by experts I've spoken with that shooting this thing down is a little more difficult than you might imagine. You might say, well, this is a huge balloon. I mean, my goodness, you ought to be able to shoot that down. The problem is that the balloon is traveling at 65,000, maybe even higher altitudes. Uh, the max altitude for an F-22 is about 58,000 feet or so. And that was the aircraft that engaged it. So when you're firing at this thing, the sidewinder actually had to go up from the aircraft another mile to actually hit that balloon to bring it down. Well, if you do that over land and something goes wrong, it's not the problem that the debris from the balloon is falling on U.S. territory. It's a problem that a sidewinder missile is falling on U.S. territory because what goes up comes down. Yeah. And I think that was the reason why they delayed. Second of all, if they were able, as they suggest, to neutralize its ability to provide intelligence, well, then it's not that important in that vein. And then finally, there's some reverse intelligence you might be able to gain from this. Where is the information being sent to? What can we identify where the Chinese have their intel receivers and analysis? 
What was that exactly the Chinese trying to figure out on this particular mission? And being able to ascertain that tells us what they're interested in, therefore what they're testing. And finally, and I'm not knowing this for sure, but I think we're pretty sophisticated. We might even be able to use this thing as a transmitter to feed false information back to the Chinese. So if you're in the intel world, letting this thing float for a while, if it's unable to get it, is not that useful. But finally, you know, how you put your finger on the real important question. And that is, as Bob Gates used to say, the three most three words most infrequently said in Washington are, and then what? <laughs> and then what? What does it say to U.S.-Chinese relations? Secretary of State Blinken, I think rightly so, uh, canceled this very important trip to meet with his meet with Xi Jinping in an effort to reduce tensions which continue to rise between the United States and China. When this event unfolded, where is Secretary of Defense Austin? Well, oh, by the way, he is in the Philippines signing an agreement with the Filipinos to allow us military access to four of their bases on the northern island of Madano, which means U.S. military forces will be able to operate at a base about 200 miles just south of the southern coast of Taiwan. And trust me, the Chinese took note of that as well. What's interesting in the context of just our region here, Montana, North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, and and part of uh, our Canadian neighbors to the north is uh, there was a proposal for a corn mill crushing plant in in Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, uh, Dr. McCoslin, and uh, it was going to be a foo-fung project. This is owned by a Chinese. And uh, this was far, far down the path of actually being constructed until – well, some of the local citizens raised uh, concerns, and one of those concerns is, why would we want to have a Chinese-owned company 10 miles from the Air Force base that's in Grand Forks? And uh, just last week, the Air Force came out with a, a pretty straightforward letter saying this is an absolute national security concern. We do not want this plant uh, near our Air Force base. So that happened at the beginning of last week. At the end of last week, we've got this balloon flying over us. And now, you know, you can go and there's reports from current Air Force generals predicting war with China in 2025. So all these things bubbling up over the last two weeks, it's got our attention. No no doubt about it. And that's why I say, it seems to me at this moment, arguing back and forth in Washington of when the president should have shot this thing down is, talk, is, a, is a battle of tactics. Let's talk about strategy and the relations between the United States and China and what this all means. And can we turn this around because there's no two ways about it the two largest economies on the planet earth relations diplomatic relations economic relations between the united states and china are are perhaps i would argue the most critical diplomatic relations on the planet if we're going to a reduce tension b avoid hostilities and c tackle some of the enormous problems that we have you know here on planet earth can't solve climate change unless the United States and China cooperate. You can't begin to address the problems of nuclear proliferation, particularly with the North Koreans, unless China and the United States cooperate. I would say there's a very good argument to be made. The final ending of the war in Ukraine will demand some cooperation between the United States and China. So thinking that through and reducing tensions, if possible, with the Chinese for both economic and diplomatic reasons, I think is a real critical question we should be asking right now. Well, uh, Doctor, we called and you answered, and your expertise has been very welcome here to our listening audience. I can tell you the number of uh, texts in, you know, saying thanks to have uh, the doctor on. I appreciate your time. You take care until we chat again next time, all right? Tyler, you take care.